0: Make a wish, say a prayer, ring the bell. It goes a long
1: ways. It goes a very long ways. But I, I have, uh, We're in a small a stone record. chapel at the base of a 13,911 foot high mountain. The voice you just heard is John Davis. He's the caretaker for St. Catherine of Siena Chapel, tucked away in a gorgeous part of northwest Colorado, near the town of Estes Park. You know what, this bell gets wrong a lot.
0: A lot of times we pick the young children at the beginning of the day. uh, It's also
1: known as the Chapel on the Rock, for reasons that become obvious when you actually see it. It was built in the mid-1930s atop a massive granite boulder.
0: Of the rock on the rock, uh, of, yeah, all around us. The only different rock is the altar, and that came from Gold Hill. See the pyrite in it; how it simmers sometimes? Mm-hmm. The granite don't do that, mm-hmm. but that's just uh, that rock is only found down by Gold Hill, down
1: by Boulder. Wow, it's amazing. The chapel the gets, gets a lot of visitors, of that, mainly because Colorado happens. Highway Seven passes right by it. People are often captivated by the gorgeous little church and turn into the parking lot to check it out. John says the visitor's book recorded over 400 visitors just during the previous Saturday, including a couple that got married here in the 1940s. Today, the chapel is a coveted spot for weddings, with dozens taking place here every year. Yes,
0: and it's in northern France. There is a church there
1: that this was modeled after. John himself has a long and storied history with this place. There used to be a kid's camp on this very property, and John was a camper here over 50 years ago. And John, I mean, you were a camper here way back. What What does this place mean to you as being I get to a share camper? Here I am sharing it now. I would
0: play. Oh, well, I'd still play. But yeah, as a kid, it was a big inspiration to me.
1: This place is the brainchild of the late Monsignor Joseph Bassetti. Bassetti came to the United States from Italy.
0: And they recruited him, come to the United States, please. He goes, well, what state has mountains? Colorado, that's where I want to come.
1: Bassetti was the vicar of the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in Denver, but loved coming up here to go camping, often bringing boys from the inner city so that they could experience the natural beauty of the place. Bassetti would hike up every year for sunrise services on the mountains.
0: We got this man made church, beautiful.
1: You know who made that? John's pointing at nearby Mount Meeker. God. Yeah. We're going to tell you a lot more about Monsignor Bassetti, but this episode isn't about him per se. It's not even about the chapel's most famous visitor, who we'll tell you a lot about later. It's about the thing that drew both these men to this spot in the first place, the beauty of nature as a means of pointing people, both young and old, to God.
0: It's all about bringing the kids here, getting them out in the country, teach them about the ecosystem, and the blend of mother nature and god pretty simple
1: i kind of buried the lead here but i might as well tell you now pope saint john paul ii visited the chapel in 1993 during his visit to denver for world youth day but as amazing as the pope's visit was that wasn't the beginning of the story of this place and it certainly was not the end but before we get into all that we need to back up a bit, to the beginning of our day.
2: Starting route to the chapel on the rock.
1: By the way, this is Jonah McKeown, producer for CNA Newsroom. I'm headed up with a couple of colleagues to Camp St. Malo, the name of the property on which the chapel sits. Join us as we embark on the first ever CNA Newsroom summer camp. Stay tuned. You've reached the CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA
3: Newsroom. CNA Newsroom.
1: Welcome to CNA Newsroom.
2: Welcome to another episode of CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm your host and CNA Editor-in-Chief, J.D. Flynn. Next month, August, marks the 26th anniversary of an event that shaped the vocations, of the hopes, the dreams, and the lives of young people across the church. I'm talking about World Youth Day, which the city of Denver hosted in 1993. Most of you probably know that CNA is based in Denver. And everywhere we go in this city, we see the ways that the church has been shaped by World Youth Day. But what's cool is that this place, and one place in particular, also shaped the pope who visited us. Jonah continues the story, from high in the mountains of Colorado.
1: The land on which Camp St. Malo now sits, nestled in the mountains of Boulder County, belonged to the McPhee family originally. Monsignor Bassetti, or Father Brissetti at the time, was the vicar at the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in Denver. Today, Camp St. Malo is about an hour and a half's drive from there. Bassetti was quite the Renaissance man, He was an accomplished musician and wrote many operas. He even founded what would later become the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. He would often bring choir boys from the cathedral camping with him.
4: A lot of these boys were just lived in downtown Denver. Some of them, you know, had pretty rough family lives, lived on the streets. So he just wanted to bring them up and and show them the beauty of the Colorado mountains and give them an encounter with Christ through creation.
1: This is Kyle Mills. He's the director of Camp St. Malo and the Archdiocese of Denver's new kids' camp, Annunciation Heights.
4: By 1920, uh, McPhee gifted the land through a gentleman's agreement to Bassetti. And then in 1921, there was the first official summer camp here, even though campers had been coming here for years before that.
1: The story goes that one night, a meteorite streaked through the sky over Bassetti's head. And landed somewhere on the property.
4: So Father Bassetti, uh went out to find this this meteorite. It was never found, but he really took that as a sign that this is a place that is special. That and he wanted to um, start a camp here. Um, but first of all, he wanted to build a church. There's a huge piece of granite which the chapel now sits on. And so the the vision that he was confer- was confirmed that night was that this should be a place where a church should be built on the rock, kind of in, in remembrance of what Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16.
1: Bassetti completed the chapel in 1935. The camp was popular, and in the beginning it was free of charge, though eventually Bassetti began to charge a couple dollars a week.
4: It was very, very successful. The model was, was simple, just get these, these boys up here, give them a shot at hiking the beautiful peaks that we're surrounded by here. Um, have benediction in the evening, mass in the morning, and then mealtime is just this great amount of fellowship and fun.
1: But the impact on the boys was incredible. Many campers ended up becoming priests. A large retreat center was built some distance behind the chapel years later in 1986.
4: As, as what happens in creation, your heart just gets expanded. You breathe the fresh mountain air. You take in life in a different way and, and allow the Lord to speak.
1: John Paul II arrived at St. Malo on August 13, 1993, to pray, to hike, and to experience the beauty of the mountains while he was in Denver for World Youth Day. Kyle says John Paul II and Monsignor Bassetti had a lot in common.
4: Both men are from Europe. Um, both men are priests. Both men have a tremendous love for the mountains. Not just, hey, I like to go hiking, but there's a there's an intrinsic desire to ascend mountains and to bring youth into the mountains. So they're both mountaineers. They both have a great love for the church. They're both men of culture and intellect.
1: Unfortunately, this isn't the end of the story of St. Malo. On November 14th, 2011, a fire started in the roof of the retreat center. Despite the fire department's efforts, the building was severely damaged, but the room where John Paul II stayed remained intact. Then, in 2013, the Colorado Front Range experienced the worst flooding it had seen in years. The flood was simply caused by too much rain. Part of the nearby Mount Meeker slid down into the valley. The remains of the retreat center were simply washed away. The trail that John Paul II had hiked on was gone too.
0: Everybody loved that trail, real
1: popular hiking trail, and it's gone. Despite this, the Chapel and St. William's Lodge, a stone building which has recently been renovated into a heritage center, were untouched by both the fire and the flood. John Paul II is famous for bringing young people on camping trips and hikes when he was a younger priest, to encourage them to seek deeper meaning and fellowship through the enjoyment of nature. Some people may not realize what a big deal it was to have a pope that went out on hikes who spoke explicitly about the importance of seeking God in the natural world.
5: I believe it was the day before he came here. He came here on August 13th, and I think it was August 12th. He conducted a prayer vigil um, for World Youth Day in Cherry Creek State Park in Denver, and he said the visible world is like a map that points to heaven.
1: This is Alexander Wimmer. He's a missionary with an organization called CREATIO that, like John Paul II, seeks to evangelize by bringing people on adventures into nature.
5: And so here we have a great pope who has changed the world, who has changed Catholicism, and now a great saint, right? We have a saint who just 26 years ago is saying, hey, I give you permission to look for God in nature. Beauty has this effect on everyone's heart um, that makes them wonder a deeper thing than they were wondering before, right? And so, beauty is something that, when you expose someone to, especially natural beauty, right? Um, things that we didn't create. When you expose them to that, they're, they nat- are naturally inclined to have a deeper conversation, whatever it's about. Um, and so. Beauty is a useful tool for evangelization in that way. So if we talk about God as truth, beauty, and goodness in some ways, right? Especially in our society today where truth is becoming a little hazy for a lot of people, right? Um, goodness, I think when you lose truth it's hard to keep to keep goodness. And everyone is hopelessly in love with beauty, right? And so beauty is something that we have to hold on to and we have to use as much as we can to bring people closer to Christ. Um, and Christ is the most beautiful thing.
4: When you encounter something in the world that is clearly not man-made, it naturally brings up this question, you know? Is this all by chance? Or is there a, a designer who has put this together? And if that's true, is it is it a random design or is it an intentional design? And where does mankind fall in, in, in the context of the greater um, environment or creation. So I think because this fundamental question that exists on the human heart, that it's hard to not ask, at least at some point in, in one's life, uh, when you encounter things that, that literally make your jaw drop in terms of beauty, then then it's an opportunity to, uh, you know, we just hear thunder that, that goes outside. And then you wonder, wow, is that just a random collision of something in in the atmosphere or or what what is the purpose behind that
5: if we hear all these things about the gift of creation and the goodness of creation and the beauty of creation um, the logical next step is to ask you know what what is our duty in preserving creation
2: we'll be right back stay with us
3: hi everyone this is kate Vike. i am cna newsroom's executive producer And we've been including these mid-show subscription calls for a couple of months now, so I thought it would be fun to share with you some of the reviews we've received. One person said, I look forward to CNA Newsroom's podcast every week. It's insightful and fun to listen to. I really like the calm, NPR, and witty nature of this new podcast a much-needed journalist podcast to bridge the church to the people. And by far our favorite review thus far, I love listening to the buttery smooth voice of Jonah McKeown. We do too, Catholic Chick 90. We do too. The good news is you never have to miss an episode of CNA Newsroom. All you have to do is search for CNA Newsroom on your favorite podcast platform. I listen on Apple Podcasts. Then, tap the subscribe button. I get a push notification on my phone whenever a new episode is available. And please, leave us a rating and a review. That's how more people can find our podcast. Thanks, everyone. Now back to the show.
2: Welcome back to CNA Newsroom. Camp St. Malo is a beautiful place. It's awesome. You should visit it. But going to a place like that should probably remind us that God in the very beginning actually called us to care for the earth. Listen, on a personal level, I'm not afraid to express my unpopular opinion. I am a skeptic of the recycling industrial complex. But my conspiracy theories aside, caring for the environment is a deeply Christian and fundamentally human value. Let's go back to Camp St. Malo and see what our guests, Alexander Wimmer and Kyle Mills have to say about that. Here's Alexander.
5: As Catholics, we really need to understand how we fit into the environment. In a certain sense, it's the first task that we're given
1: in the Bible. This is Alexander again. Remember, he's the missionary with Creatio, and he's referencing the story of creation in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1, God creates mankind in his image, and then he gives mankind dominion over the rest of creation.
5: This is something that I think a lot of Christians have kind of missed. They hear dominion and they forget, hey, there's a second creation story, and it's a little bit different.
1: Genesis 2 depicts God forming man out of the dust of the earth. Then God settles man into the Garden of Eden and instructs man to cultivate and care, till and keep creation.
5: Tilling and keeping, caring for and cultivating, um, it's all part of God's plan for us. (laughs) Tilling and keeping is kind of outdated for a lot of people right we live in this completely climate controlled life where we control everything we're separated from the wildness of nature and so it's hard to come up with these practical things that we can do to care for creation
1: Alex said this responsibility to care for creation can look different for every person he also said this responsibility can start small he referenced the parable of the dishonest steward in Luke 16 which illustrates that a person who's faithful in small things will be also faithful in big things. He makes
5: it clear that our behavior with small things forms our behavior with more important things. If I'm selfish with something small around the house, then I'm also gonna be selfish when it comes to consuming natural resources and not thinking about all the people in the world who don't have them. If you are a little nervous about, you know, getting on the environmental train, Just look at the other people in the world, because we know the dignity of the human person. There are people in the world who die every day because they don't have clean water. We don't see that here in America. And I turn on my tap and I have clean water. We all flush the toilet ten times a day, and that's a couple gallons of clean water each time. Take a shower and so on. If you're unsure about doing something to care for the earth, do something to care for other people. Do something to stand in solidarity with other people.
1: Typically, he says, if you do something good for another person that will also help the earth. And even if that just means
5: literally saying a small prayer of thanks when you turn on the shower and say, God, thank you that I have this clean water, that's a start. I think that's why in Laudato Si, like Pope Francis doesn't have a list, do this, you know, to care for creation and so on. He says, look in your heart and say, what do I need to change there? that's gonna help me live with greater harmony Right? How am I going to live with greater harmony with nature?
1: Helping people grow in harmony with nature is at the heart of Alexander's work at Creazio and Kyle's work at Annunciation Heights.
4: There was something that was really special about not just taking a hike in the mountains somewhere, but, but actually leading others mm-hmm. into creation that was really formative to me really being able to participate, not just in the beauty of creation, but in the wildness of creation and the adventure side, which is a way that we can encounter beauty by not just observing it with our eyes, but participating with our bodies, you know, when the blood gets pumping, the soul gets moving. There is a a philosophy that exists in environmental circles that is, you know, leave no trace. And in a sense, there's many beautiful aspects to that philosophy. but. I think sometimes it's misunderstood or confused because sometimes we could put man at the bottom of creation rather than at at the top. And I think this is where Catholics have it right. Beauty and nature of creation is not only the natural world, creation also includes human beings, Mm -hmm. which is the pinnacle of creation.
5: If you do make you know, a list of how important is each thing. God is on top of that list, and humans are second, right? The rest of creation is below that. What the church has to offer is
1: the correct order. Care for the environment has been a consistent talking point during Pope Francis' pontificate. Even just this summer, the pope said the world needs an ecological conversion. In 2015, he published an encyclical on the environment titled Laudato Si, In the document, Pope Francis says humans are causing global warming and species extinction. He talks about pollution, decrying what he calls a throwaway culture. Ultimately, a
5: lot of it comes down to intentionality um, and awareness. This is something that Pope Francis calls us to in Laudato Si, is an interior change in the heart. Pope Francis is not trailblazing, right? Um, We've been down this trail.
1: St. Francis of Assisi is probably the most recognizable saint who had a close connection with nature. St. Francis de Sales and St. John of the Cross reference creation in their spiritual works. Even the 11th century German mystic and philosopher St. Hildegard referred to the earth as Mother Earth and said Jesus manifests himself in every creature. But Alexander said the Catholic connection to creation goes back even further to the book of Psalms when the ancient Hebrews looked to God in concrete ways, describing God as their rock. There is this mystical
5: experience of creation um, that is part of the tradition of the church and is very connected. There's a strong connection between God and his creation. And so to come back to Francis of Assisi, he's not a crazy person who was a little bit out there in worship creation, Um, but like John of the Cross, he was so close with God that he could not separate his experience of God from his experience of nature.
1: The bottom line, cultivating care for God's creation starts with what's arguably God's greatest creation, the human heart. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Jonah McKeown.
2: That's it for this week's episode of CNA Newsroom. Many thanks to Kyle Mills, to Alexander Wimmer, and to John Davis for joining us up at Camp St. Malo for the first ever CNA Newsroom summer camp. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host, J.D. Flynn. Our show is produced by Joan McKeown and Kate Vike, and our executive producer is Kate Vike. This week is a sad week at CNA. We are saying goodbye to our two summer interns, Michelle McDaniel and Bea Kwasi, who helped out with this week's episode up at Camp St. Malo and have just done great work all summer. They were interns, but they never once made me a cup of coffee. Oh, well. We'll see you next week.